We are The Table, and we are so glad that you have taken time out of your week to join us. Here at The Table, it is our hope to move you forward in life and faith over the course of this message. At The Table, we do things just a bit differently. We pose questions in real time, and we want to give you some time to wrestle with those questions as well. Again, thanks for joining us, and we hope that this message moves you forward. The struggle and the struggle is real, but did you know, did you know, that the key to our struggles can sometimes be just surrendering ourselves to God and surrendering that thing to him. The answer is as simple as that. Am I able to pull myself away from fixing this struggle? And can I give it to God and allow him to deal with it? So let's get into the text. I'm going to be reading from 1 Samuel, the 30th chapter. I'm starting at verse number 3. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. David's two wives, help me with this name, Ahinoam, I think that's how you say it, and Abigail, The widow of Nabal from Carmel were among those captured. David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. And they began to talk of stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Then he said, to help me with this name, Pastor Jeannie, Abiathar, I love having a teaching pastor. (laughs) Abiathar the priest, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar, he brought it. Then David asked the Lord, should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. So David and his 600 men set out and they came to the brook of Besor. But 200 of the men were too exhausted to cross the brook. So David continued to pursue with 400 men. So let me set the stage up for you here. David is, now you guys know I like to paraphrase, so I have to help you understand, go read 1 Samuel. But I need to make sure even the youngest person in this room can understand what I'm talking about. If I give you a tool you don't know how to use, what is the point? Amen? Okay. So David is with his crew. He's with uh, his men, his army, if you will, his his boys, his his, his clique, his crew, his, you know, what y'all kids say these days? Squad. David was with his squad, and and they returned to what they had left behind. They left behind their families. They left behind all their valuables, et cetera. They had gone to a place, which I'm going to tell you about, and they came back, and everything was gone, including their children. These grown men, 600 of them, returned to a place. Everything that they thought they would find was completely gone, and Scripture says that they wept. All they could do, because everything that they valued was gone. David, the leader 
of this squad. They turned on him. They said, wait a second. We've been out here following you. And everything we love, care about, value is now gone. They start talking about taking him out because they had lost all of their stuff. Can I tell you as a leader, when you lead folks somewhere and it ends in complete and utter disaster, that is not a good place to be. The last thing you want to do as the leader of anything, the boss, the manager, the husband, the parent, the grown-up, the pastor, the team captain, you name it. Whatever you are in any position where your decisions impact other people, the last thing you want to do is blow it. Here David finds himself in a situation where he then led folks to the place that he's absolutely blown in. And we read about David, and he's a man after God's own heart, and we read about all the, like, romanticized stuff about David. And then we read Psalms, and it have, you see his writings, and things seem so, like, passionate. Can I tell you something? You will understand a person's struggle when you realize how passionate they are about serving the Lord. You can really find out about a person when they are really into the weeds about the way they're willing to pray, the way they're willing to worship. You can sit there and we do it and sometimes we do it in judgment. We watch and we see and we watch people go through fits during a worship song. Why are they crying? Why are they? Because we, we look at it and from the outside looking in, what do we see? We see somebody and we, instead of rejoicing in the fact that they're coming to the Lord about it, we actually look at them and say, I wonder what's going on in her life. It must really be bad for her to pray like that. So you got to understand that it's through the devotion with God that we get insight into the desperation of our struggle. So here's David. We see all these things that David is saying, and he, he's, we, we read the Psalms and read other things, and it's like, dang, David got the perfect words of how to glorify God. And it, it's like, he not just, I mean, his heart for God is just so, how do you get there? Oh, you probably had to be, have gone through some things. I mean, think about it. When I ask you, how's your week been? What do you do? You want to take me through every detail of your whole week so that I can resonate with your pain. I say, hey, how you doing today? Well, how much time you got? Because you want people to understand the depths of what you've gone through or the depths of what you're going through, but why? Just so they can meet you in that misery? Or are you just trying to have, you're crying out because there is something that is just really heavy with what you're doing and how you're doing it and what you're going through. So I want to talk to you for a few minutes and talk about things like here and there. What is it like when things are going well for you here and then all chaos is breaking loose over there? Like, I'm strong right here, 
but I'm struggling to make sense out of what's over there. I'm in this good groove right here, but everything I could lose, I'm at risk of losing over there. I only have enough patience, only a little bit of strength, and barely enough time for what's right here, and I got absolutely nothing left to deal with what's over there. See, I don't know about you, but I've been in those here and there places. I've been in those here and there places, and I've also been um, caught up in the now and later places as well. Because I have a need now, but I'm trying to control now because I'm worried about what's going to happen later. Can I tell you, you cannot be in two places at the same time. God can, but you can't. So here's the thing. This is the dilemma that David is experiencing with his squad is that, wait a minute, while we were out doing, following you doing stuff, all of our stuff got taken. And you're supposed to be the man of God, and you're supposed to be leading us to a place. How did you lead us to a place that we were doing God's work? But then over here, everything that I love, care about, and honor is now taken from me. See, I don't know about you, but that's a sucky place to be. I've been caught between those places before, but sometimes the outcome that you seek could depend on your ability or your willingness to be part of the solution and not bask in the problem. If we could learn that maybe the now, there's a solution for the now that we have to be part of, if we let God handle the now and we be part of the solution now, then we can trust the fact that whatever is going to happen later, he will meet us there as well. You have to understand that there are two things simultaneously happening. He knows what you don't. He's preparing what you do not see. He's able to do things that, you know what, if you just get through the hard now, the benefit that you shall see will come later. So the question is, are you willing to trust God enough to stand up for you? What do I mean by that? Well, the reality of it is, is most of the time when we are challenged by something or we think we're going to lose something, we think that we have to go to battle and fight for ourselves. We think that we have to solve the problem. Could it be that God wants us to trust him to represent us? Could it be that no matter what is happening, God is looking for us to represent him. And by doing that, that means being obedient to the way that he would want us to respond in a situation. So let's continue. See, the problem here that we have to understand, I, naturally, if they were away from their homes, if they were away from their valuables, then the logical question is, well, where were they? What were they doing? And was it worth it? Can I put it like this? Well, they were off their post. And what, what ultimately does that mean? Well, we got to go back to 1 Samuel in the 25th chapter. And we'll see there, David, is, David has a long history. Let's just summarize it like this. David is on the run. He's always, <laughs> he gets to a point in his life where he's always on the run. People are trying after him. So in this particular space, he is on the run. He has his, he, he, 
he, he has his squad. I can't, I'm trying to find that word to come back to. He has his squad, and he is, they are essentially working as the, the protection for a man named Nabal. They are there, and they are keeping track of oversight of his safety, his team's safety, and his valuables. Ain't this messed up? That sometimes the, thing, the very things that you're protecting for other people are the very things that's at risk for you. I'm going to help somebody today. You got all the insight and oversight and advice for everybody else's marriage. But the very thing that's in shambles is your marriage. Oh, you know everything about parenting. And you got a problem, child. You got everything figured out for everybody else. Here we are, that David and his squad are the protection team for this man. Taking care of all of his stuff. He says, he says he, the word says that David sends 10 young men to go ask this man. He says, hey, would you mind? We heard that you're getting ready to shear the sheep. You're going to sell the wool. You're going to have a big feast for all of your workers. Since we're protecting your stuff, you think we could have a little bit of that? Here's the response. Nabal says, who is David? And why does this dude, this son of Jesse, who he think he is, uh, that I should take my bread, my water, and my meat, that I'm going to give to my team, why does he think I should give it to this band of outlaws? And I'm the one doing all the work and with all the wealth. Now you talk about what have you done for me lately? <laughs> it ain't nothing worse than for somebody that you have worked hard for and, and, and been there for. And then when you need something from them, oh, worse, even something you deserve. See, now this is a struggle of mine. I, I, I got a problem. I don't ask for help when I need it most of the time. Because I don't want nobody ever to hold over my head. And I, like I owe them, I mean, maybe, maybe this message is just for me today, but I'm just going to tell you like it is. Sometimes you don't ask for things because you will go through a struggle when you could have the answer because you don't want to meet this. So David asks a question. Nabal plays him and tells him, look, man, I don't know who you are. Get out of here. So now David is triggered. <laughs> David is triggered. You got, you got to understand something. David, is, he, 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 he brave. He is about his business. So David is all, it's on now. He said, what? He said, who am I? Oh, I'm going to show you who I am. David gets ready because he wants, he wants to go deal with this man because he's like, how dare you? After all I've put into this, after all the ways that I've served you, after all the ways that I've helped you, and you're going to, when I ask for not something extra, but when I ask for what I deserve, you're going to play me like this? David is prepared to go fight. He's prepared to take this man out. See, you got to understand that the way that the enemy of God works is he brings up things from our past. And it's up to us of how we deal with the things that are behind us. 
Why do I say that? Because Nabal's insult here is why would I do that for this bunch of outlaws? In other words, these criminals, these heathens, the ones that are on the run. So now he's going to, I was your bodyguard and your protection. But now all of a sudden I'm just an outlaw on the run. So you got to understand, sometimes as part of our past, the enemy will stir up things in our past that will make us and relabel us to something that we're not any longer. And now we have problems with dealing with the right now, all because we're wrestling with our past. Okay. Wait a minute. But can I encourage you today? You cannot let someone or something use your past to ruin your future. You know, one thing that I think is hilarious the movies where somebody getting chased and the thing chasing them moving real slow and they moving real fast and it's just inevitable that they gonna get caught but this don't make a lot of sense because if they going fast and the thing going slow then how is it gonna catch them so then here it is, it's just moving like this. And they're like, no. <laughs> no. And what inevitably happens? They trip. They trip and stumble, and the movies always give you two stumbles before the fall. So the first stumble, you're yelling at the screen, or I'm yelling at the screen, and y'all tell on me at the movies, because I'll be like, stop! Stand up! See, that's how I lost my voice the first time. But they just running. But here's the thing, y'all. Your past can't catch you if you stumble and keep going. It's when you fall that it can catch up with you. That thing from your past can only come with you to now is is if you stop moving or you bring it with you. That's it. There's nothing at risk if you continue to move forward, and I think it is interesting because in Psalm 37 and 23 and 24, the text says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. If you realize that when you're going through something, if you're going through a struggle, it may trip you up. But as long as you focus on God, As long as you put your eyes on him and realize what he said and what he even promised, as long as you know that, then there is something about the struggle that you're going through that it cannot overtake you. It can't. He won't allow it. You might stumble, yes, but he will always be there to pick you up. It's not about the stumbling block, but it's all about keeping yourself upright. So here we are. David is going off. He ready to kill this man. He, 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 on a, he on a journey. He on a path. The Bible tells us that a woman named Abigail packs up food. She gets on the roll. She ends up meeting David, finding David. And she comes to him and she essentially stops him from committing murder. The word says that she reminds him Get this, of the good parts of his past. She reminds him, wait a second, man of God, you are going to be the king of Israel. 
She taps into the good parts of his past. She reminds him of his future hope. She essentially tells him, don't blow it. I know he, I know he talking to you crazy. I know he doesn't appreciate you, but don't blow it. You got God's work to do. So even though this right now is a challenge, you are triggered, you want to act out in this way, can I tell you, don't blow it. You might be challenged with something that's very weak that is going to test you to the innermost part. Don't blow it. Because if you respond to that, if you act in the way that your flesh tells you to, you might just blow what God has for you next. So this is what David does. David takes a minute after he hears her spill, and he thanks God. He thanks God for sending Abigail because he recognizes that she intervened because of God. And she reminded him of what God is going to do. Can I ask you a question? Are you willing to trust God enough to recognize your help? Are you willing to, I know when you're skeptical of things and when you're skeptical of people, how easy it is to not want help, to not look for help. But can you trust God enough that you can recognize his help? Because he might send something, someone, some he may do it in a way that seems confusing to you, but will it make you stop to say, wait a second, I can't blow this. Because as a man of God, as a woman of God, as a parent trying to teach my kids about God, as a, as a child of God, I need to seek what God is doing. Before I allow my skepticism to take over, I need to seek what is God doing around me because I can trust that he is my help. Here he is. He sends this woman. Abigail comes on. She tells him all these things. She acknowledges what, what he's going through. She acknowledges that Nabal is a mess. He's a mess. He wrong. He's well within his right to feel how he feels. In one of our countdown videos, I declare that I am not defined by the way I feel. See, the reason for that declaration is because in the midst of how we feel, we will justify being ungodly. Because I'm mad, I had to give them a taste of their own medicine. Because I'm offended, they need a piece of my mind. Because they did it to me, I'm going to do it to them. Because I need to take a stance or a position. Because we will justify exactly what it is because we are triggered. See, what David had to realize is what I'm challenging you to realize, and that is that the Lord is intervening here, and you need to know. He is the one who is making the decisions. He is the one who's going before you. He's the one that while you're trying to deal with stuff and avoid fatigue and fear and frustration in the future, he is the one dealing with the now and then. But you got to be careful. So what does that mean for where we started. 
So David realizes that in this place where he could have committed murder, that he could have and would have been outlandish, that he could have responded in a way, he found the space to recognize God as his help in the midst of it. He finds it. It happens. So when you fast forward, and now everything that he's been protecting and all this time that he's been away, and you show up and all this stuff, now here's our attitude, see? While I was over here messing around with you, all my stuff is messed up over here. See? When I took your advice about this thing, now look at what I done messed up all the way over here. And we go through life looking for someone to blame for our mistrust in God. We look for somebody to blame when we're lacking faith in God. I need you to catch this. We look for someone or something to blame when what we're really dealing with is a lack of faith of how God is working in both the now and the later. So these men who David was about to commit murder for, because remember, his request was for his squad to be taken care of for the work that they did. Now when we fast forward to, to, to chapter 30, the same people he was about to kill a man for, for disrespecting them and undervaluing them, now they got a nerve to turn up day back. Tell me you wouldn't be mad then. Do you know what I gave up for you? Do you know what I almost did for you? Now I was about to kill this man because he didn't want to be fair to you. And now you want to turn on me and you want to stone me? See, he could have handled that. I'm glad he didn't handle it the way I probably would have wanted to handle it, the way you probably would have wanted to handle it. Some of y'all right now holding your 40-year-old children hostage for something you were supposed to do when they was 12. Do you know I changed your diaper? And you want to talk to your mother in this way? Well, mom, you were supposed to change their diaper. <laughs> but do you understand what I'm saying? We hold ourselves and we have this accountability thing that's coming from all the wrong places. So here David is in the midst of another struggle. I've gone to bat for them. I've done things for them. And now they're going to turn their back on me. He tries to get them to go here. He talks to God. God says, no, no, no. No, you go find them. You go find them. Everything you lost, you're going to get back. It'll be fine. See, sometimes God is just waiting on you to come to him to tell you how you're going to get revenge. See, some of us are so stuck on getting the revenge part, and God already has a plan how to get your stuff back. God already has a plan how to, how to get you treated right. God already has a plan for the way that he's going to help you recover. All you got to do is go to him and say, God, what's the plan? So, so David goes, God tells him exactly what to do. David starts to lead these people, and then 200 of them say, oh, no, I can't go no further. 
I'm tired. But you was ready to turn on me. <laughs> Look, there's something. They were ready to turn on the man when they didn't have a plan. He says, we're going to go get our stuff back because God said so. And they don't even have to. They can't go no further. But David doesn't. He said, okay, fine. Whoever's coming, come. So you got to learn how to, in your life, keep going with those who going to go. You got to learn to keep moving forward with the people who want to move forward. You got to learn how to play with the team of the ones who are going to go with you, who are not going to look at the obstacle, who are not going to look at the mountain, who's not going to look at the numbers, who's not going to look at the bank account, who's not going to worry about the, 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 the job, who's not going to worry about none of that, but they are going to go in faith that God is fighting for them and nothing can stand against. Are you willing to trust God to be your strength? Are you willing? Are you willing to trust God to be your strength? Because here's the thing. Unlike God, there's a whole bunch of stuff out there that will tell you it's strong. Will tell you, no, this is... And you got to ask yourself, is it everything that is advertised? I created some of the claims. But I do think that it was very impressive, and in a pinch, it's a great substitute for being able to hold something together. The Flex Tape people told us they've had an overwhelmingly positive response and say when the product doesn't perform as expected, it's typically because it wasn't applied correctly. Our struggles. See that video there. As I, how many of you have seen that before? I realized when I looked at it and I played it that I probably should have asked them for an endorsement check. <laughs> but that wasn't my intention. My intention was to simply show that in order to see if it was going to work, you have to test it. In order to see whether or not your boat could stay afloat, because that's just a promise. Oh yeah, I have this product, I have this thing that it does this, it'll keep the boat together, no water, it'll keep, it can lift a 45 pound weight. It can stop the water flow in an instant. And what you see even in testing it, that it works a little bit. Is it doing what it says it can do? Well, kinda. The lady said, well, I think they kind of exaggerated its effectiveness. Can I tell you today that the reason that we all come together into this place is because we want you to know that our offer of Jesus in your time of need it's not just an empty promise. It's, it's not just something that we're giving you for an infomercial. The Word of God actually encourages you to try and see, won't He pour out a blessing upon you that is so abundant you will not have room enough to receive. You have to understand that He wants you to put Him to the test. 
but it has to be a heart thing. That when you find yourself in the midst of a struggle, you got to be willing to surrender of yourself, your attitude, your ego, your philosophy, your history, your past, your everything, and you got to be willing to say, you know what, I'm going to try it his way. I'm going to give him my life. I'm going to give him my struggles. I'm going to give him my, my changes, my opportunities. I'm going to give him my future. I'm going to trust that I know some, but he knows more. I'm going to trust that my best chance is if I give it to him. See, I want to encourage you to try. As we prepare to take Holy Communion, and we talk about next steps, we talk about decisions, we talk about seeing God at work, the Holy Scriptures tell us that there are many among us who are sick because we take this without understanding its purpose and intention. Because every time we do this, we do so acknowledging that we are going to try Jesus. We are going to allow him to lead our lives that he gave of his body and he gave of his blood so that our future, the one that we're going to give to him to work on our behalf, the one that we're going to trust him with, every time we do this, we do so remembering that he is God and God all by himself. And he was incarnate. He came to be flesh through Jesus Christ. Jesus was born, he lived, he was crucified, and he rose. He defeated all of what we know of death and sin. But you gotta accept it. You gotta be willing to say, I'm giving it all to him for what he did for me. So if you would, just open your communion, take of your wafer, and just hold it up. If this message challenged you and moved you forward, personally or in faith, we encourage you to share it with someone who needs a message of hope today. And if you're interested or looking for ways to partner with us in our mission here at The Table, head on over to thetablejoliet.org for more information.